thing that we call great is great, especially when it comes to church. A church is not great because of its members. A church is not great because of its, I said numbers, I meant to say numbers. Sometimes we emphasize numbers as, oh, this church has this many people. But that's not what makes a church great. In fact, that would be an insult to the Lord Jesus Christ who established a church, if you will, there in those early days. And about all he could muster up was about 12. Great church is not great because of its, the size of its budget. Sometimes we think if we have a lot of money, we'll be a great church. Well, we just need to find somebody to give us a million dollars and we could be a great church. A great church is not great because of its buildings. You know, I love the buildings God's given us. And, and sometimes I find myself jealous of somebody else's technology and buildings. And I think, man, if we had that, we could do this. But that's not what makes a church great. A church is not great because of its organization. And we're a very organized church, and we, we, we somewhat can pride ourselves in our organization. A church is not great because of its eloquence in the pulpit or its elegance in the pew. We are not great here because of the way that I speak or the way that you listen. A church is great because of several things that the Word of God already tells us. Can I give you those six things? And that might give you an explanation as to why this has been a great church, but it will also reveal to you that potentially we could lose our greatness. We could just become like so many churches across our nation who are dying and dwindling and becoming good and not great or maybe cold and not on fire. So let me give you those six things. Number one, the first thing is a church is great because it has great power. In fact, in the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 33, if you notice on the screen, it says this, and with what? Great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Great power. You see, everything that's been done this morning, talent has been obvious. Wow, what a voice Sonia has. What ability Jordan has. What great worship leading Joe. Oh, Vince, you're the greatest on that. Man, the talent here is incredible. But you know what? Sometimes we rely way too much on our talent. Sometimes we rely way too much on our gifts. You know, there's a lot of things that look real pretty, but they don't work because we don't put batteries in them. A car can be beautiful. You can look at that car and say, man, that's the car I want. But without a battery, it doesn't work. It must have power. And a great church does not operate on human ingenuity and human wisdom. A great church operates on supernatural power. It's got to come from God. It's got to be in the supernatural. It is possible to have great organization, great talent, great planning, and great mechanics, and still not be a great church without the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, we have great ability here at Gospel Light, and we do things right, but we must not depend on our talent. We must not depend on our ability. We must depend on the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Great power. 
You know, sometimes I wonder if through the years I have forgotten that. God forbid. We don't need to operate with form, but no force. So many times we've got good form. We look good. We dress good. We look so nice. And our form is perfect. But there's no force. There's no power. There's no energy. There's no supernatural enthusiasm for things of God. So let me explain what the scripture means in Acts 4.33 when it says, and with great power. Here it is. Ready? In the book of Acts, here's what had happened prior to that verse. Because that verse is there for a reason. And here's what happened. 120 people met in this room. In the scripture, it's called an upper room. It was just 120 people. And they met there and something happened. It was incredible. It was strange. It was unusual. It would freak some of you out if it happened. In fact, if what happened then happened in here, many of you would not return to church next Sunday. A wind blew through the room. It was forceful. It was powerful. It was such a great and mighty wind. The Holy Spirit of God came in the form of wind with great power. And the room was filled with the sound of a cyclone. And the Bible says that there were men who spoke in cloven tongues of fire. They had had lights on top of their head. They looked like human candlesticks. In this room, all read it. It is crazy. It, it would, to you, it would be so strange. It would freak some of us out. That's why some of us need to recognize that oftentimes when the Holy Spirit does something great, it can make us uncomfortable. If we're not careful, we'll miss what God is doing. Now, wait a minute. We're not trying to repeat Pentecost. That's not the goal here. But notice what happened in Acts chapter 2 and verse 12 on the screen. It says, and they were all amazed. They were in shock. And and they were in doubt. And they said this, what's going on? What's happening? This is crazy. Has anybody ever said that about gospel light? Have you ever come to our church and thought, whoa, man, what's happening on the electric guitar? What's going on with this preacher? He's all over the place. This is kind of crazy. The dude told me he loved me. He doesn't know me. I've had a lot of people tell me that. I mean, I'm like, this is kind of strange. The pastor said he loved me. I mean, I've done that to the AT&T operator. The other day I was talking to somebody at a service department on the phone. And I said, hey, man, thanks a lot. Love you. And I thought, oh, I said it again. And then and he said, no joke. He said, love you too. <laughs> True story. what's going on? This is so strange. But notice what happened just a few verses later. Acts 2.37. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? You see, the first thing that happens is they're going to say, what does this mean? What's going on? This is crazy. But in a short while, they're going to say, What can we do to be a part of this? This is amazing. We see something here we don't see anywhere else. What shall we do? Notice the order of those questions. You see, the problem with most churches, I believe, is that we have reversed the order. We are trying to ask people to to, to 
What must we do before we get them to ask, what does this mean? You see, we have no right to ask somebody to do anything until they see something that can't be explained. Do you understand that? Our God can't be explained. He's not a normal God. We don't just sit soaking sour in church. Church is not some place we come and just sit and we'll go through the motions and we rehearse it and we get it all just right and then we walk out and say, oh, did it today? No, no, that's not it. We need God to do something at gospel light that is so strange, so different, so amazing, so phenomenal that people would then begin to ask, what is going on? So they can then ask, what can I do? What can I do? What is it about our church that cannot be explained apart from organization, talent, and planning? I'm excited about the future of our church because we need some of this great power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, look at it. You shall receive power. When? After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Only after the Holy Spirit comes upon you do you have this power. You know, I believe that power would make a huge difference in our church. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? If you're wondering if you have this power, let me give you the evidence of the power. It's easy. It's found in Galatians 5.22. Here is the fruit of the power of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. If you recognize some of those things in your life, God is filling you with his power. The fruit of the power, the fruit of the spirit are these things. When this church and its members really get filled with the spirit of God, I believe we can turn this city inside out and upside down for Jesus. I think there was a time when we probably had and were having a greater impact. And maybe there was a time when we were seeing more results. I do believe that God had to, had to allow us to take some steps backwards so we could take some steps forward. One of the negatives to staying 25 years, are you ready for this? I'm not negative, but I'm going to be negative for a minute. One of the negatives that goes into a pastor staying for 25 years is this, that you have to go through a lot of mess-ups what happens is pastors mess up and they leave. What happened with me is I messed up and stayed. (laughs) So you had to put up with all of my mess ups and then I stayed and some of you stayed and then I messed up again and I stayed and some of you stayed and I messed up again and you, now I'm messing up less now. You like that, don't you? You're like, man, this old boy's getting pretty good at that. He's finally a pretty good preacher. I tell you what, this pastor thing, he's getting it down. He's, the finances are better. He's getting smarter. That's right, because I stayed. And you stayed. And we messed up together. But we're getting it right. And so my excitement is this, is now for the next 25 years, I'll be in a season of my life where we can get back to the great power of God that can flow through our church in a supernatural way. And strange things can start happening again. Now, wait a minute. I didn't say strange fire. I'm not talking about things that are spooky and sinful and wicked. I'm talking about strange things in the sense that, you know, that doesn't happen at most churches. That's incredible. That's amazing what's happening there. Number two, 
a great church not only has great power, but the very same verse. Look at it again. Did you see it? Did you check it out the first time? Did you miss it? Acts 4.33, it says this. And with great power, we covered that, gave the apostles witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace. There's the second great. 25 great years because of great power and great grace. What is grace? Grace is a lot of things. But what is grace here? What is grace in this verse? I believe grace in this verse is the loving spirit of Jesus Christ. Great grace. Great grace. The loving spirit of Jesus. God's, God gives a lot of different kinds of grace, doesn't he? He gives saving grace. He gives dying grace. He gives living grace. He gives praying grace. Sometimes he gives testifying grace. He gives giving grace. You ever heard that? The grace of giving. But he also gives loving grace. Loving grace. That's why I believe the greatest compliment our church can ever be paid is that we are a loving church. Greatest compliment. I'll take that hands down. I, I think we ought to preach hellfire. I think every now and then we ought to just let her in. I'm all for it. But can I tell you, I don't want to be known as the church. I tell you what, that church, they're all hellfire. I, that's fine. I want to, I, we got to do it. But I'd rather be known as, one thing about that church is they, pre, they, they love you there. That doesn't eliminate preaching strong. I'll cover that in just a minute. But what that does eliminate is a hateful, arrogant spirit that somehow people begin to think They just think they're better than everybody else. We don't want that here. We want people to know they're loved just like they are. God loves them. They may have, they may need to be saved. They may be living a wrong life. You may have a child that is wayward right now, not serving the Lord. What he needs to know more than anything else is that God loves him, his parents love him, and his pastor loves him. And we'll be here when he's ready to come back and get on fire. We're not going to leave. We're going to stay here and our arms are going to be wide open when they come back and we're not going to be judgmental and say, it's about time, you reprobate. We're going to say, praise the Lord. We've been praying for you. We love you. That's grace. I want the unsaved when they come here to sense the grace of God. I want the saved when they come here to sense the grace of God. I want the hurting to feel the grace of God. I want the needy when they come here to feel the grace of God. Every one of us needs to feel the loving warmth of this church when we attend. You know, sometimes I get real nervous. Here's what happens to me. Can I tell you something? As a pastor, I get real nervous when I see somebody new come to church. And I'm like, I hope they sit next to the right person. I hope they sit next to one of our warm, loving members and not one of our ugly, criticizing members. It would be such a blessing. (laughs) We have both here, but, you know, we do. I mean, every church does. I'm asking you, got to be a little conviction in every sermon. Are you the kind of person the pastor would want the guest to sit next to? Think about that. The loving person. Oh, that's what we need. Number three, a great church. Thirdly, Look at this verse. It has great fear. What does that mean? Ananias heard these words. He fell down, gave up the ghost. Does anybody know the interpretation of giving up the ghost? That means you're dead. Not good. Okay. And in this verse, God struck him dead. And great fear came upon all them that heard these things. Then Acts 5.11 says this. And great fear came upon all the church. 
the church experienced great fear. And the Bible says, and upon as many as heard these things. What did they hear? Well, this is the story in Acts 5 of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira, who pretended, they pretended to have a devotion to God that they did not have. They were pretenders. They were hypocrites. And what God did with that is God struck them dead. Now, do you think God strikes down all pretenders and hypocrites? I'm glad he doesn't. (laughs) Our church would not be nearly as big as it is. be honest, I think sometimes all of us, including the pastor, have pretended. Would you not agree? We've all been hypocrites. The church is full of them, including the pulpits. I'm, at times, I've, not, I've been a pretender. I've, I've been up here without God's power, and it's miserable. Thank God for his grace over that. But can I tell you what this is? This is like a lot of things in the Bible. It's God making an example of something. It's God taking two people and saying, I'm going to show everybody something by using these folks to, so they will see how serious I am. God is serious about church and church membership and unity in the church. God is serious about us loving one another to the point where he would say, I want you to come to church and have great fear, a reverential, loving respect for him. God says, I don't want you to come to church and think it's no big deal. We can do whatever. We can live however. We can do the. No, no. God says, I want you to come with some fear, with some respect, with some reverence. I believe that's why God said, I want to be the main attraction at every church. You see, the main attraction of this church and every church should be the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's not about how faith. You know, I was in a movement that that was, was high on promotion. It was high on climbing the ladder. It was big on, hey, how many meetings do you have and how often do you speak out? And I got caught up in some of that and you began to feel as if you were successful because you were sought after. And that's dangerous. And you know what God did? God put some fear in. I realize, God, this is a mess. I'm going to ruin my testimony. I'm going to mess up my family. I'm going to lose my wife and kids. I'm I'm, 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 I'm famous out there, but I'm I'm becoming not so special to my family. And I saw some some things breaking down, and I realized in our church, I've I've got to get back to what's important. The main thing is not that I'm known. The main thing is that he is known. And so everything changed for me. Now I don't think we're the only church in town. I think there's a lot of churches in town. Now I think when somebody leaves and goes to another good church, if that's where God wants them, I'm happy for them. I'm not like, well, I'll tell you what. No, it's great. It's okay. We're in this thing together. You know what I want to do before the year's out? I want to have a homecoming service. And I want to invite everybody that's ever left to come back for one Sunday. And I just want to love on them and say, we're so glad we're still a church, even though we're not under one roof. We're still a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Great fear. I'm afraid to be anything else anymore. 
I'm afraid to climb the ladder. I'm afraid for this thing to be about me. I get nervous whenever somebody steps up and begins to say things about me. I, I appreciate it. I love it. I'm thankful for it. Don't get me wrong. And the Bible does say to give honor to I know that. And I'm for that. And we've done that. And we'll continue to do that. But we must be careful that this does not become about a man. It's always about Jesus. Let's, let's have great fear about that. Number four, a great church, fourthly, has great persecution. Not, not good, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says, and Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church. Great persecution? Are you serious, pastor? Do you mean to tell me that a great church, if we're going to be a great church, we are going to have to suffer some persecution? That's exactly right. I believe that the persecution that we suffer here in America is like nothing compared to what's happening in other parts of the world where Christians are getting beheaded for what I'm preaching this morning. They are losing their lives for preaching the gospel. This morning, most of us, about the only thing we lost was a little sleep. And we complain. God forbid that anybody would say, it's already 1130. Well, come on, preacher, get this thing over with. If the greatest persecution you experience is 30 extra minutes in church today, you're doing well. Somebody's going to lose their head today. Somebody in this world is going to lose their head for saying, I will not renounce the name of Jesus. You're losing 30 minutes. It's okay. You'll be okay. We'll be fine. Great persecution. Now, now, how does a church receive great persecution? I'll tell you how it does. Ready? You ready? Preach against sin. Do we preach against sin here? Yes. It's, 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 it, there's, there's, there's sin that must be preached against. There are sins in the Bible that must be addressed. I'm working on a series of messages right now that are, are going to be very sensitive subjects in the culture we live in. But what does the Bible say? Do I compromise? Or do I preach what God's word says and receive some of the persecution because I want to have a great church? I got to be faithful to God's word and stand on what God's word says. The early Christians were not out to enjoy the world. They were out to change the world. And I think sometimes what we've done is we've gotten caught up in the world to where we want to enjoy the world way too much. That we're no longer changing it. They can't see the difference. I know when I say difference, I'm talking about a lot of things that are different than what we used to call different. But God is still holy. And God is still desiring his people to be holy in that context. That may be different, look different, different cultures. We got to figure it out. Persecution, it's real. Number five, I'm almost done. A great church has great joy. Amen. All right. You like this one better than that? I didn't get any amends on persecution, but joy. Yeah. Back to the good stuff. Great joy. Look at this. This is great. Acts chapter 8. You're going to love it. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, uh, they were crying with a loud voice. They came out of many that were possessed with them. Many were, were taken with palsies, lame, were being healed. And there was great joy. 
No wonder people are getting raised from the dead. Crippled people are getting healed. People who are sick are being made well. No wonder there was great joy. That's why I always say, I, Cliff, where are you at, Cliff? It's Cliff. I like to be where the action is. Amen. We used to say that together. I want to be where the action Put me where the action is. I want to be where something's happening. That's why I like to come to a church and it sounds like birds chirping. That's what I woke up to this morning. Anybody else wake up to the birds chirping? It was great, wasn't it? I woke up and heard the... I came to church this morning. Here's what I heard. I like it. Who in the world made this thing up where you come to church like this? We are entering his holy temple. Everybody quiet. What? Quiet? Are you serious? Do you know how good God's been and you want me to be quiet? It's hard enough having a bum voice and having to whisper. On anniversary Sunday, God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? I'll shut this guy up somehow. (laughs) Great joy. Oh, this is a recent memory I have. My wife and I have this memory, but Chet, you know, Quentin and Shania, right? That's your son-in-law and your daughter and Julie here. And so they came to church a few months ago for the first time. And they came over to my house. Now, it was like 1130 at night. It was crazy. I mean, I was kind of like rude. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we're at the house. I'm in my skivvies. Anyway, and uh, PJs, whatever. And, and we get the call. Are you guys awake? I'm like, who texts the pastor 1130 and says, are you awake? You know, I want to text back. No, I'm going to bed. I'm in my skivvies, you know. And, uh, but you can't do that. You know, yeah, we're up, you know. I'm, I'm having fun with the illustration. And so Quentin and Shania come over. And he looks at me and he says, Pastor, you know, I don't go to church much. I don't really know what I think about the church. But I got to tell you something. This morning, I was standing there. I didn't know the songs. It was strange to me. And then I looked around and saw people raising their hands and crying. And I saw others smiling and worshiping. And I, I, I thought, these people, they really believe what they're singing. Pastor, for the first time in my life, I'm beginning to get a different opinion about church. Maybe there is something about this whole thing. All because he saw joy. Do you understand, church? People are looking. They want to know what's different about you. The world is depressed out there. They're discouraged out there. They're defeated. There's so much going on. And when they come and see God's people, they need to know what's different about There's great joy here. We're not going to hell. We're going to heaven. Great joy. And that's why I'm in favor of laughter in church. And that's why I'm in favor of amens in church. And that's why I'm in favor of raising your hands in church. I'm in favor of it. I'm in. You say, well, I just, you know, it's just hard for me. Well, let it be hard because you got arthritis, not because you're not happy. I mean, just try it. You'll like it. It's a good thing. It's okay. If you've got joy, express it in a smile, in a handshake, in a wave, in something. But share it. There's no contradiction between reverence and joy. No contradiction.
Well, Brother Eric, you got to be one or the other. Baloney. We can be both. We can be both. Number six, and I'm done. A great church has a great number of people saved. The last great we find is Acts eleven twenty one, And it says this, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Here we see in Scripture that we ought to be interested in numbers. A church that does not seek the lost has lost its mission. It's lost it. Now, I'll be the first to say that this is probably the area that we are becoming good and not great in. As your pastor, I want to confess that we have lost some of our zeal for the, for the lost. And I want that to change because I want to be great for the next 25, don't you? And I believe that what it's going to take, it's going to take some discipleship. It's going to take some teaching. We're going to have to get back to a passion for the lost. And so as your pastor, you may hear me over the next six months, talk a little bit more about it from time to time. I may even challenge you to be a part of some kind of an outreach. And, and I believe that what's happened is, is, is because of all the different things that have adjusted, we've had to put emphasis on things and good things to change. And in the midst of it, we have forgotten our first love. And that is all those testimonies. My whole family was saved and baptized at Gospel Light. My whole family was saved and baptized at Gospel Light. When's the last time you saw a whole family saved and baptized at Gospel Light? Been a while. And I put that on me. But this is good preaching. This is good because we're being honest. Why should we anniversary Sunday just make it all peaches and cream when there is some things that aren't peaches and cream? We could improve on. Would you not agree we could get better at reaching the lost? Would not some of you that have been here 25 years say, yeah, I used to witness more. I used to pass out more tracts. I used to be a little more aggressive when it came to inviting people to church. That's okay. That's me. We're in the same boat. So we're going to work on this thing. If we're not fishing, we're not following. And I believe God wants us to be a great church, seeking the lost. These six things are what has made the early church great. These six things are what has made gospel light great. And these six things, if they continue, will make gospel like great for the next 25 years. Before I give our invitation, I wrote down some things I thought I'd just challenge you with for vision. I wrote down, first of all, I, for the next 25 years, I'd like for our congregation to be committed and devoted more than ever to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We've got to keep Jesus first. The Lordship of Jesus Christ was just everything I said earlier when I said it's got to be about him. That's what I was talking about. I want you to be committed to that with me, the Lordship of Jesus. Number two, I want our church to have a godly, spirit-filled pastor. And by the grace of God, I want to be that man. Number three, I want our church to have a membership that's growing in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. Listen. When I get to heaven, can I tell you what I believe is going to gauge whether or not I pastored well? Don't miss this. What's going to gauge whether or not I pastored well is not how big the church was, the numbers, the buildings. It's going to be this, the sign. It's going to be, did the people in the congregation become more like me?
Jesus. Not me, but Jesus. That's it. If you're not becoming more like Jesus, I'm a flop. I am. I mean, what you, why am I preaching? What is all this about? Why small groups? Why, why preach? Why have a church if we're not going to become like Jesus? Number four, I want our church to learn more and more how to worship God. I do. I want our church to learn how to worship. You know why? Because we're going to do it for all eternity. We're going to worry. Have you read the book of Revelation? It gets intense. We're talking about some serious worship. And I think some of us are going to get to heaven and be like, I wish I would have done a little bit more of this on earth. This is, this is going to take a while to get used to. I think we can learn to worship more. And I want our, I want our church to learn that. Five, I, I want our church to have a congregation who is discovering and developing and putting to use their spiritual gifts. You see, everybody here has a gift and, and you've got to use that gift for him. And sometimes... It, it takes a little effort on your part to say, what area can I be used in? And what does the church need me to be involved in? And, and, and find your place at gospel life. Number, number, number five, six, I, I want our church to be a church that cares for the needy, cares for the hurting, cares for the forgotten, cares for the lost, cares for the down and out, and cares for the last, and cares for the least. You say, well, wasn't that the bus ministry? Yeah, and we still have one. We just can't hardly, it's hard to get people to care about those people anymore. They're still over there. They're, many of them are here in, in different buildings. They still come, a good hundred of them. But it's hard to get people to sacrifice to help those people who need a lot of attention. And so I'm just putting that out there. I want our church to, to be a church that makes disciples of its members. You know, I got to thinking the other day, do you know where the greatest need for discipleship is? Our own families. How can we reach other families if our families are not right? So that's why next, this weekend we're having a men's retreat. Why? Because our men need help. I need help. We need help. We need to disciple first and foremost each other before we can change the world. Next, I want our church to have a church, to be a church that strengthens the family. Number, number nine, I want our church to be a church that has a passion for souls and a missionary outreach, both locally and globally. Did you hear what Chantha said? Listen, as soon as Chantha talked, I thought, okay, thank you, Chantha. I know where to give this hundred now, missions. I got it out of the bank to give. I don't have to give it to the sign, right, Tony? I mean, you guys got that? Good, I'll give, it to, I'll give it to missions. I've already got my missions check written today. But how many of you actively participate in giving to missions? This is what you get to be a... Five churches in Nepal. Are you serious? Chanta was in this building serving and worshiping for 10 or 11 years. Now he is in another part of the world starting churches because we give. I can't, I can't go to Singapore. I, I could visit, but that's not my, but he is there. He is establishing churches. There is a lady who was a Muslim that is now a believer in Jesus sitting in our church because he went.
And, and, and he can't stay there if we don't give. He can't. It's impossible, especially in Singapore. And then finally, I want our church to be a church that will strengthen other churches. And that's what God's used us for more than anything this past year. And you know this, but for some reason, God kind of chose our church to be the church that started this little prayer group. Pretty cool, isn't it? Doug knows what I'm talking about. And, and pastors will usually say, yeah, you know, uh, oh, oh, Eric was, he was kind of out there on an island for a lot of years. But uh, when he finally decided to, to love all the rest of us, that was kind of the tipping point that started this prayer group. And, and so thankful, I'm thankful that our church is helping to strengthen other churches. That's been a positive. That's a good thing. Let's keep that up. Well, let's bow our heads. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. And as we close this message this morning, I want to ask you a question. And I want you to ask yourself this question with your head bowed and your eye closed. Here it is. You ready? If every member of this church were just like me, what kind of church would this church I want you to ask yourself that. If every member of this church were just like me, what kind of church would this church be? Maybe that's the invitation. It's a prayer. Lord, make our church a great church and begin with me. Begin with me, God. Start with me. God, Make our church a great church in missions and begin with me. God, make our church a a great church in its budget, its finances, and begin with me. Make our church a great church when it comes to joy and worship and begin with me. What about a church? Maybe there's someone here today that would say, I'm lost. I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm a believer, a Christian, and I would like to confess this morning that I'm in need of salvation. If you're that person, in just a moment, we're going to stand. and I want you to come and feel led to take one of our pastors, including myself, by the hand. In fact, if you're in this room and you know that you're a Christian, you know that you're saved, you're sure of it, would you lift your hand unashamedly if you know for sure that God has come into your heart and saved you? That's most everybody in the room. That's great. Thank you. I like every now and then to ask that. But that wasn't everybody. That wasn't everybody. There were a few hands that were not raised. If you did not raise your hand, I want to ask you in just a moment when we stand to step out and come. And please let us know so we can pray with you and you can receive Christ this morning. Church, I love you. And let's respond as the Holy Spirit leads us. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for this opportunity to worship. I pray this invitation would be everything you want it to be, God. Lord, we're just here a few more moments, but we want you to move. Take control and do, God, what only you can do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand? And as we stand, if you feel led to come to the altar on our 25-year anniversary. Oh, from rising sun to your kingdom come, your faithful love is 
I'm failing Those shadows turn And tempest turn Still you, oh God, are unchanging Through every hour I will recall My hope is Jesus Great is your faithfulness, and great is your faithfulness. I lift my eyes, I won't forget how great your faithfulness. Promises are unshaken. My faith is sure of nothing more than Christ alone. My Run 
Thank you, God, for the worship. Thank you for the every part of the service. Thank you for Brother Ken and all the work he did to get the videos together. Thank you for the offering. Thank you, God, for the sign. Thank you for the people of Gospel Light. Father, I want to pray right now for those that have been members here for 25 years, that they would feel, Lord, a new energy for this church, a renewed vision. God, even more importantly, I'd like to pray for those that have been a member for six months or a year or less, that God, they would not feel as if they've missed out on anything. Father, the truth of the matter is, is, Lord, we are a church. We're one. Whether somebody's been here for a long time or, or they're a guest for the past couple of weeks, I thank you, God that you have put us in this place to work together from here until eternity. There's not much we can do to change the past, but God, we can do a lot to help change the future. So give us vision. Help us, Lord, to do great things for you and be a great church because of these great things mentioned in the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're gonna finish the service by honoring someone. That's our last thing. And everything gets back to normal next week, 9 o'clock, 10.45, normal time. You know your pastor is very thoughtful about time. I don't like to go over, but I knew today would be different. You know, our church has been here for 25 years, and there's been, as I, as I mentioned in my prayer, everybody has had a part but sometimes on special occasions like this, you have an opportunity to, to honor someone who's, who's impact the church as a layman in a way that it's really hard to explain. And we're going to try to do that in a few minutes. It's not going to be possible, but we're going to try. And so I would like to ask this man to come to the platform. And I would like for you just to welcome him as we honor him. And that is... Brother Cliff Kaufman.